and we're back for another episode of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from Pop Culture Cosmos, the Lakers Fast Break, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please, 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 please go ahead and give us that five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We would truly, truly appreciate it. Also as well, like, subscribe, give us a great review, whatever you can do to support us. We truly appreciate everything you do right here for us at the Lakers Fast Break and Pop Culture Cosmos. And we cannot thank you enough for any support that you give our show. (sighs) A lot of episodes on the Lakers Fast Break this month. Cannot tell me that we don't have enough content on the show because not counting today's awesome guest... And not counting the one I've got upcoming this week with Chris LeBron, I think I have 15 episodes this month up there already. That's a lot for you right there. All covering the NBA bubble, so you can check them all out. They're all still relevant, and they're all still ready to go. You can go ahead and listen to them right now, available on Lakers Fast Break Podcast. I almost feel as challenged as my guest right here. He's got as much to do, if not more, when it comes to all of he's doing today. And you can check it out right now on Facebook Live at NBA Draft Junkies. You can check out his NBA Draft Junkies YouTube page, which he's at 11,500 subscribers, trying to get to that magic 12,000. So if you can support him there, please do so. His awesome page, NBADraftJunkies.com, and of course, his podcast, NBA Draft Junkies. It is my good friend, the very also tired, Raphael Barlow. And Raphael, <sighs> I'm, I'm exhausted, man. I'm going on fumes. Every time I get on Facebook, I see the notification that you're doing a, a new podcast, a new video with someone. So your your work ethic is is definitely uh, should never be questioned. I should say that much. Well, I'm trying, man. I'm trying. I'm trying to make a product out there that people will like, enjoy, that people can go ahead and follow, and just have out there just something that they can they can listen to, like, and hopefully appreciate. Where we not only cover what we do with the Lakers, with Laker Tom, which is our latest episode just before this, but also stuff with you covering the just general NBA, the NBA draft. I, I like a well-rounded podcast. And of course, you know, I, the stuff I do with the Pop Culture Cosmos that gets sent worldwide. And it's something I, I do a lot of, but I do still enjoy it. I still do, do appreciate it. And you got you to gotta realize, as you do, when you do your stuff, you're editing two, three, four o'clock in the morning. You got to really like what you do in order to go ahead and do it. hundred percent. I agree. I, um, I thought I was doing something. I, I've made seven podcasts in I think 19 days, or maybe 18. Well, so you, you have, you mentioned that on 20? Twitter. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I have to around 20 this month so far. So one a day. <laughs> Check I have my to step sand- it up. Check my sanity at the door. And the reason why we step it up. The reason why we, he has to step it up, or he says he does. He doesn't have to, but he says he does because he's got great podcasts out there. Is because he recently said on Twitter, "You said you got to up your game." <laughs> you said the seven to ten a week. Is that correct? Uh, or is it I five to so. seven? I think, um, I think it's five to seven. Okay. <laughs> so if I if I continue it, if I can get started at that pace, then I'll be able to catch up with you. But you got videos, man. That's the thing. The videos are, are still time-consuming for you. Plus, uh, you and I still write uh, on the off chance every now and then for me for the popculturecosmos.com and you for the NBA Draft Junkies. We still, still got to write that. I still got to update my Mock Draft 2.0. I've, that's, I've got that on a page, and I haven't even finished it yet because we're doing stuff like this. One day it will all pay off. I hope so. When, when you get that big Spotify check, <laughs> just call 400 me four hundred million. Four hundred million, like Bill Simmons. Yes, yes. Uh, tell you what, we're we're gonna do this together. If all of our stuff, let's hopefully they'll buy all our stuff together, and we'll go ahead and you know cash that paycheck together. So how about that? Sounds like a plan. There you go, my friend. But speaking of cashing paychecks, in order to cash paychecks in the NBA right now, you got to go ahead and be down in Orlando, which seems to be a problem for some of the individuals because we don't exactly know 100% who's there and who's not there. 
Well, outside of Matisse Seibel and JaVale McGee, I mean, they're very happy to show you on their vlogs that they're there, especially JaVale going down the water slide the other day at Typhoon Lagoon. I thought that was fun. I've been there. I've done that. And that is truly an enjoyable experience. And to have it all by yourself, literally, I thought that was really cool for them, for him and Kuzma that were down there. But yeah, there there just seemed to be, like like I said, uh, some, I guess... It's good that there are no positive tests, which Sham Sharania just posted on Twitter just before we went on the air, that as of now, there are no positive tests inside the bubble, which is obviously the best result that you can get right now. We're we're keeping our fingers crossed that they continue to do that. But there's a lot of questions about who is not in the bubble and why they're not in the bubble. Right. And we'll never find out. <laughs> we Unless someone this gives an exact reason why they're not but it doesn't look like we'll find out no it doesn't and that's going to be the case because i think there's still uh, on tuesday is there any type of media days or they're supposed to get a clarification just before the the scrimmages began like you said not why that they're out but who is down there specifically at least they're supposed to give you a better idea because up until now the NBA and the Players Association have been very hush-hush, and the only way we're able to go ahead and get any type of information is, of course, when he was active, Adrian Wojnarowski, which I could almost not say on this show because I got roasted every time I said Free Woj or Wojnarowski on our previous episodes, the one we did together. My gosh, the comments on that one. And then uh, you have Sham Sharania, uh, then you have Chris Haynes, and then you have all these insiders. That's the only way we're able to get this kind of information is on who's exactly down there and who isn't. Yeah, and I guess we're supposed to find out. I don't know if it was today or tomorrow when the practices are supposed to be open to the media. I'm not sure when it is. But like you said, it's a second media day or bubble media day. I mean, I've heard all this speculation of who's not there. You know, like the Nuggets only have eight players. Um, Phoenix. Yeah, her Phoenix is short staff. I guess we'll find out more tomorrow, but as, finding out, as far as finding out why, I mean, I just think it's pretty simple to give the general answer of I had to attend some family issues or family matters or family emergencies. And it seems like that's going to be the common theme. Absolutely. And not even the Lakers have their full contingent because we're still wondering what's going on with Markeith Morris. Uh, is he going to be arriving at the bubble I mean, he is a key to what the Lakers can do for going forward, I think, because of what he brings to the table if he's healthy and he's up to full speed. So the scrimmages, I thought, would have really benefited him. But we're like you said, we're not even sure if he's there or if he's not there or exactly what's going on. So I'm hopeful that we're going to go ahead and get some type of clarification because the scrimmages for these NBA teams, the Lakers and all the others, are coming up very soon. It's kind of funny, though. I, I know you probably heard already the Hoops Collective, like I did, one of our favorite podcasts that we actually, obviously, both of us listened to together uh, at various times during the course of the day. And hearing Denver's situation, like you said, with eight, possibly only eight players there, because Troy Daniels let it slip out in a Zoom call that they could have Bull Bull playing at off guard position. Yeah, that's that's interesting, um, especially considering that he hasn't played at all yeah. this year. Uh, he's just been and, playing two-way. He's just been playing for the G League yeah. team. Yeah, so yep. it's, it's very interesting to see how that is taking place. But I don't know, man. It, I mean, there's, there's continued concern over exactly who's going to be there and that those questions are still out there. There's like little whispers that – it's not going to be the type of full season, eight-game season, and playoffs because there won't be everybody there at 100%. I mean, you're hearing those whispers still, oh, maybe they should throw an asterisk. Maybe they should throw an asterisk because not everybody's there and whatnot. I'm still hearing that. I'm hopeful that that's not the case. Do you think by the end of the month, when the when the teams actually get in gear up to start playing these games, that those things will be sorted out? For at least for the most part. Yeah, I, I think that the players that aren't there will be there. Um, because even if you tested positive right before everybody entered the bubble, they should be able to pass their quarantine and then be able to to play now. But I think um, 
I mean, the next guys, you know, with Beasley, when they signed him and then he tested positive, and then I guess they're saying that he won't be ready. I guess Dinwiddie, I haven't heard the latest with him, but I think the last I heard is that he's not going to play now. Yeah, that's the last I heard, but I don't have it heard 100%. And then we don't even know about Victor Oladipo. I mean, that's the most puzzling thing of all, because he announced before they even went down there that he wasn't going to play, but he's going to travel with the team. So he travels with the team. He's going 100% in practice, no restrictions. And now it's pretty much up in the air because the league has said, you know what, we're not going to pay you if you don't go out there and play because you seem to be 100% healthy and ready to go. It's it's kind of reminded me of the Derrick Rose situation in 2012 in a sense where, you know, you heard the rumblings that he was healthy. Well, you started hearing it from, like, teammates or management that he was 100%, that he looked good. And then if he mentions that he's not comfortable, which I totally understand, if he doesn't want to aggravate it or doesn't want to play, he'd rather sit it out. And I guess that's, you know, his right to do it since it's, so much long-term money on the line. So I get it from that perspective. But he could be out about around $3 million if he doesn't. Yeah, I mean, to me and you, that's a, a ridiculous amount of money. But, I mean, how much has he made this year already? Yeah. Uh, but I do think that, and I could be wrong here, but if the league says, hey, we're not going to pay you if you're not going to play and you can't play, and it's $3 million on the line. That may be the reason why you're starting to hear that he may possibly end up playing. And if he plays, and if he's anywhere near what he was before the injury, that could be a big boost to Indiana's chances to at least making some kind of impression in the NBA playoffs. Otherwise, I don't see them going very far at all. Well, they've been sneaky good this year, yeah. I mean, even without him. And so... Um, there may be some chemistry issues, not like off the court in a bad way, just getting adjusted to him being back and then him playing the role that he had before, him fitting around Sabonis and, and Turner as opposed to them fitting around him. That may be an issue. But if he plays and he's healthy and they can just kind of iron out the wrinkles of getting back adjusted to playing with him, I think they could – make some noise and definitely challenge some teams. Do you think it's ultimately work as far as the big man contingent that they have there because you have Sabonis and Turner? It's been, I would say, I think for the most part, it's, it's worked to a point. I think that I'd, I wouldn't give up on either one of them. I wouldn't trade them because you have those two valuable assets. Both are, are still you know, somewhat young and so very talented. I think if you, unless you get an outstanding offer for one of them, I would not trade them because it's been kind of mixed as far as people saying, yeah, it has worked, and people say, no, it hasn't quite worked out when it comes to those two working together on at, on the court at the same time. Yeah, I don't know if you'd get fair value if you traded, if you traded one of them. It most likely would and be I, Turner, I think. Yeah, I mean, that's what people are saying. And I think that he has the friendliest contract of the two, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, I'm not. I'm not sure who I. I well, I put it like this: I would give them at least another year. If Oladipo's healthy, then I, I go into next season with the roster as is, as far as making a couple of minor tweaks. But I would keep that core together, and then just kind of see where you're at. You know, at next summer, maybe even around All-Star break. I think that, I don't know, it's kind of hard to say. You know, I've seen, like, the metrics and the stats that say that they don't play well together. And then I know last year they did, Jone um, McMillan did a good job of staggering their minutes to where Thaddeus Young played more minutes than both of them. But he also, his game complemented both of them and allowed both guys to play to their strengths. But Again, this year, it seems like it was working. They, I mean, they were middle of their pack in the Eastern Conference without arguably their best player. I mean, Sabonis ended up becoming an all-star this year. So I definitely wait a full season with those three together 
before I make any changes. They need some help on the wings, though, and that's where I think in the playoffs that might be a problem for them is because they don't have enough wing help to go ahead and take them all the way because they have, if Oladipo's healthy and gets you what you need in the backcourt with him and Malcolm Brogdon, I think that's a very good backcourt. I think, like you said, you have the front line, and if Turner and Sabonis are playing well, that's a very good front line. It's just right in that middle, to me, is, is where the issues lie. And the top teams out there have those spots that could create havoc for Indiana because they don't have that someone, that certain someone that could go ahead and go and go fill up the wing spot that will you know, wreak any kind of havoc out there in the in the Eastern Conference playoffs. Well, I like TJ Warren. I I think as far as just a guy that can go out and get you buckets, I think he's really good at that. I just think that they need to have their full lineup because have we, I mean, how, how many games have they played with their full lineup with Brogdon, uh, Sabonis, Turner, Oladipo, and uh, Warren? I mean, they may have played what, five to ten games with that group together, if that. And he, Oladipo oh, Oladipo's, yeah, not even ready. I'd give it another look. And then, um, yeah, man, I don't, nobody knows what free agency is going to look like this year and then I don't think they have a pick in the draft because it seems like that was part of the deal. I think Milwaukee has their pick. I don't know if that's part of the Brogdon trade, sign and trade or not. But they've done a good job. I mean, for the Pacers to be a small market team and to lose Paul George, they've done a good job of just maintaining as far as being competitive. They haven't had to like start totally from scratch and rebuild. So I like what their front office has done. Kevin Pritchard and Larry Bird still part of the front office? I think he's an advisor, if I'm not mistaken. He's an advisor. Well, again, I think they've done a, a pretty good job. And so I would hate to see them break up that core unless it's going to make them better. But I guess if their future, a lot of it depends on how long Oladipo wants to, to be there. I mean, I've heard the rumors that Miami is going to go after him. And then him deciding not to play and thinking about his his future could possibly be something I think should be a little bit concerned about also. And I also think that it's going to be hard for them to ever get marquee free agents there in order to go ahead and get quality players there above what they can charge or get for, let's say, the median or, let's say, the, the qualifying offers or, or even the mid-levels. They're never going to be able to get a top player on the hands unless it's via trade or draft. So they may have to, like you said, look in the future and trade some valuable assets now in order to go ahead and be more prosperous down the road. It's just something that they want to look at. I would give it more time as well. I would see if they can develop, like you said, either TJ Warren or I really see TJ Warren as someone coming off the bench personally. I don't think he can be at the level that you need to to for him to be in order to go ahead and and again get Indiana where you where Indiana needs to be according to a lot of their fans out there but I think that he he's good but I just think they can do better in that slot with the three slot and and go from there that makes sense I mean as far as like getting free agents I think there's really only a couple markets where you can say well we can turn it around fast with free agents. That's going to be the L.A. market. I mean, for years, the New York market struggled until last summer. They weren't able to get any free agents. Chicago is arguably one of the best cities in the NBA in the world. They haven't been able to attract free agents. I mean, who's the last free agent the Bulls got? Boozer? <laughs> so um, Houston has been able to be competitive without free agents. I mean, look at Milwaukee and Utah. They haven't you know, needed marquee free agents. But I think getting those second-tier free agents helped. Yeah. You know, Brogdon was a big addition for them, even with Utah with Bogdanovich. That was a big sign for them. And so I think as long as you draft, you know, uh, some cornerstones, which they didn't even draft Oladipo. They ended up getting him part of the Paul George. Um, Sabonis was also part of that was a pack trade. Deal. Yeah. So I think if – I think – Teams can survive and, and become really competitive without the lure of being a top free agent destination. 
There you go. Back LA... Golden State. Golden State even. They, I mean, how did they get to where they were at? Through great drafting. Yep. And then, at, you know, once they had their pieces, they landed the big fish in, in Durant. And so same with Miami. You know, they don't get LeBron and Bosh if they don't have Wade already there who they drafted. Yeah. So, yeah, outside of the Lakers, I mean, I think New York, the Knicks are always going to have an opportunity to be a free agent destination, whether or not they capitalize on it or not. But, yeah, I just think, like, the Lakers and now the Clippers are the only teams that you can say, well, if we stink, we could just rebuild tomorrow through free agency. Uh, let's let's put it that way. You, I th- I think you're right. I think that's the case. You can build, but going forward for Indiana, it's going to look like something with a healthy Oladipo if he can produce. Because in the last game, I think he was the only real game. I think it was around he scored 28 points. I think he it was the mm-hmm. last and only game he he looked like Victor Oladipo or somewhat like Victor Oladipo before the coronavirus hit and the break happened. So I'm hopeful that he will go ahead and want to contribute this eight-game stretch and the playoffs for Indiana. Makes it more competitive. Makes it more interesting for viewers out there. Makes it for more interesting for fans like us and, and people who love the NBA to see another team that can, hey, I, I can go ahead and put these players out there and I can compete for an Eastern Conference title and not just go ahead and roll over for Milwaukee like everybody is expecting. Right. I'm just... Really curious to see if he plays or not because I did hear when he got hurt that you know the the knee issue had been bothering him for a while and the Pacers had cleared him to play and so if he decides not to play I think that's going to open up the conversation of oh he's upset with how they handle his knee that's why he's choosing not to play which is going to lead to conversations about is he going to sign long term and. I think he can be up for an extension this summer, if I'm not mistaken. They can offer him one. And if he decides that he doesn't want to take it, then you're in a a predicament to where you have to decide, do you want to move him now and try to get some assets for him or take the gamble and let him go into the open market? Would look good on the Lakers. All I'm saying. All I'm saying. How (laughs) How much of a pay cut would he have to take? It's true. You know, LeBron, he'll try to sweet talk anybody if he really likes them. So we'll wait and see I really him. see LeBron like doing something crazy towards the end of his career, like playing for like the minimum and allowing them to get somebody, you know, another max player. And Remember, just there's also the, well, Bronny, if Bronny, where, where Bronny goes, he's going to go. Isn't that correct? <laughs> I don't think he's ever personally said it. I think it's mostly mostly speculation. But it's it's too to me it's too early to even predict that he's an NBA player. I mean, think I don't know. I, I follow the high school ranks. There are a lot of guys who are McDonald's All Americans going into their freshman year of college who never make it. So it's just kind of hard to predict. I mean, he's only. You know, just finished his ninth grade year. <laughs> so to predict him to be an NBA player when he didn't, I don't even think he started on his high school team. No, he didn't. I mean, they were, they were good. They were definitely good, and they had a lot of high-level players. But way too early, in, in my opinion, to start predicting that. And you would know better than anybody out there because you're the man behind NBA Draft Junkies. It is Rafael Barlow. I'm talking to him right now. you got to check out what he's doing today, though. When he's not talking to me, he's doing a hundred million things for NBA Draft Junkies. Check out NBADraftJunkies.com, his podcast, NBA Draft Junkies, and of course his YouTube page, NBA Draft Junkies, which I'm showing everybody right now on Facebook Live. All the great episodes, all the great videos he's got there, breakdowns of all the players that are eligible right now for the NBA Draft. And also, if you check out what they did just recently, a little over a week ago, they had a mock draft together with him, Kuzi Killick, uh, his brother James, you had Stone Hansen, and the Weisenbergs from Viceland. They were all together for a live mock draft. It was I watched it. I was part of it as far as live on the other end, uh, typing things up. It was a great time indeed. Some very interesting picks and a very surprising reaction from the fans out there on your star GM, Kuzi Killick. 
And you can check that out today on NBA Draft Junkies. I know you guys had a great time, and I look forward to being part of the next one or the next go-around that you guys have. Okay. Yeah, we just got to add more. We got to upgrade the stream yard so we can get I, I, more guests on there. I told you I'm in. I told you I'm in. Yeah, I'm what you need to do, and we'll get it done. This is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com, and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. I see the potential for basically like another Netflix kind of paradigm shift where here comes this other major player. They have a ton of resources. Apple could change the way that entertainment is consumed. They say it's the only time this year that you'll have stars from each brand battling each other. And we know it's not going to be the case, but they like to say that and more power to them, I guess. Well, it's a big first step bringing all those superheroes together. There were definitely some parts of the movie that I that I really enjoyed. And then there were some parts that I thought just kind of fell short of expectation. Part of it has to be something to do with how it's being promoted. And this is a thing where audiences do not agree with critics. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse, every week on Apple Podcasts. And over a dozen of your favorite streaming and podcasting options. But speaking of shaky knees, there's Kemba Walker for the Boston Celtics. Uh, Something that is also kind of up in the air, up in question, like players, whether or not they're there in Orlando or not. And that is his chances coming back full strength because he's even quoted as saying over the course of a period of time of the past few months that even with this time off, his knee is still not feeling right. So if his knee is not feeling right and he's limited or is out, what does that do to the Celtics as far as the overall chances as far as that's concerned in the Eastern Conference? Yeah, that would be a big blow to Boston. Um that would be really, really big as far as just bad luck. I mean, you know, the, was it two years ago, Kyrie didn't play in the playoffs. Last year, um, they didn't have Hayward. And so if they end up playing the playoffs without Kemba. And they could play, be without just, Hayward again because if he leaves for his uh, wife's pregnancy. Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, just bad luck. <laughs> but, you know, there are some people that would say, well, hey, this is what they get. This is This is karma for the way they handled the Isaiah Thomas situation. So, I mean, I've heard, uh, you know, I've seen that on Twitter and I've, I've heard a few people express that, you know, they thought that was a bad situation for the Celtics knowing that Isaiah had a, a bad hip and they kept playing him. And then as soon as it was, it was, uh, they knew it was a bad situation. They got rid of him when he just gave his heart and soul to the team. And was it, I don't know if it was true or not, but remember they were saying like it was Anthony Davis's father that had made the comment saying that Anthony wouldn't go to Boston because of how they handled Isaiah Thomas. I believe that is correct. He said something to that effect as far as that he was not happy with the way Boston treated uh, certain players. And I think that was alluded to that was Isaiah Thomas. And because mm-hmm. of that, AD would not be going in that direction. Thankful for us here as Lakers fans. But obviously they're trying to be careful with Kemba's knee at this point in time because mm-hmm. you're right, he is so important to their cause over in Boston. And unfortunately for Isaiah Thomas, the Brinks truck never did get a chance to back up for him and uh, never will for him as far as to the extent that, that he was going to be owed to someone that was in the top five MVP voting for one year. So, Yeah, he averaged 29 points a game, which was... I think once time passes and we go back, we'll look at his 2016-17 as one of the just most impressive seasons in recent NBA history, especially considering like how small he was, how small he is. And then just on paper, that was not a very talented team. Yeah. And yeah. I think they were the number one seed. I believe they were. And he, yeah. he helped them very much so. And, it's just going to be very sad to see his career ending because it's closer to that route as opposed to it's what 30 right now. So he's, he's not exactly seeing the better days. So he will never unfortunately see the type of money that he was expecting at that point in time. So uh, fortunately sports happens like that to Marcus cousins. You're seeing something similar. I mean, uh, 
New Orleans Noel, uh, that is probably, New Orleans Noel, that's probably the one that I, I probably say is the most disadvantageous because we talk about all these players that are not weren't deserving in the 2016 contract year to go ahead and, and get all those big, huge, massive contracts. I think New Orleans Noel turned down a $70 million deal at some mm-hmm. point in time. Yeah, and uh, unfortunately, he had some injuries, but... He's just never been able to go ahead and get anywhere near that standard anytime since. That's a lot of money to lose. I mean, I guess if you never had it, then you can't miss it. Yeah. But knowing that you... He dances to a beat to a different drummer because, remember, he's also the one in Dallas that got caught red-handed during halftime eating the hot dogs. Hot dogs, yeah. Yes. So uh, him turning down that $70 million and unfortunately never getting anything close to that since is something that I'm sure... He, Hopefully he doesn't think about it because I know I would and I would regret it every day. Well, he's time with Clutch, so he could eventually end up being a Laker. And then once you're a Laker, as a big man, you can get these passes and alley-oops, easy shots from LeBron, which makes your value go up, and then you can recoup some of the money. So it wouldn't shock me. <sighs> I don't <laughs> I see you know, him. I, I have to make my clutch LeBron uh, a comment. Uh, I think it's I think it's it's cool, but I also think it's a tough predicament because Rich Paul and LeBron James have made the Lakers relevant, and so I feel like Jenny and and Rob they kind of have to like allow them to have a lot of say so in in the organization, which. I mean, how many guys on the roster are clutch guys now? What are we, six? Going on six? So Morris, Bron, Caldwell Pope, JR, Dion, Horton Tucker. So that's six just off the top of my head. Well, New Orleans and well, if he comes to the Lakers, that would be a, I don't know. I, I don't even see him. I see him as a less talented JaVale McGee, to mm-hmm. be honest with you. So that's... You know, JaVale McGee retires, maybe take a spot, but I, yeah, don't get me started. And, well. Well, I mean, like we've said before with Dwight, you can even make a case and say JaVale has played himself into a bigger deal. Yes, absolutely. It's just, you know, he's actually a little bit older now, too, so that's what you got to worry about with him. When are those knees that have done so well for him as far as getting them that that chance to go ahead and lead the league or be eligible or be high up there as far as block shots and defense and, and obviously be at a, such a uh, a great thing for the Lakers and also the Golden State Warriors beforehand playing in limited minutes because he knows his role. He knows what he needs to do. He, he's not going to give you flack about whether or not he's going to play or not. He goes, he plays his minutes, does what he can, and he doesn't ask for very much more. So that's that's the type of player you need coming off the bench, or in his case, spot minutes as a starter. And I think that's something that hopefully a lot of these other players, like Nerlens Noel, can, can you know understand what the role is going down the line when you're playing for these NBA teams. So I'm hoping that Nerlens Noel is you know, going to go ahead and have a prosperous future. I don't think it's going to be a $70 million worth. And as we're seeing with some of these other cases where people are, you know, these players are turning down these, this kind of money, sometimes it's very head scratching between you and I. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, I don't think it's something that we'll understand because, you know, you put that type of money in front of my face, I'm taking it right away. But I also <laughs> don't have an agent that's telling me, you can get more. I can get you more money. I can get you more money. So, yeah, I, I know I would have took the money. But then, you know, there's, like there's some gambles that have paid off. Like I remember Jimmy Butler. I think he turned down eighty, yeah. and then he ended up getting no. No, I think he turned down like fifty, and then he ended up getting eighty. I think Tristan Thompson did the same thing, but he got his eighty or seventy million dollar deal a few years back. So it's worked out for some guys. And then obviously when you gamble, that's the risk that you take. And and he he gambled on himself and struck out badly. This is true. This is true. Once again, I'm talking to Rafael Barlow from the NBA Draft Junkies. you got to check out what he's doing today at NBADraftJunkies.com, along with Kuzi Killick and also as well Joe Gomez. They comprise the NBA Draft Junkies, so you got to check out what they're doing today at NBA Draft Junkies. Before we head on out, my friend, two quick things. 
We're going to go ahead and hit Jonathan Kaminga first, and he is considered a high NBA draft prospect next year. So I want to ask you this. He recently also decided to go ahead and forego the route of college basketball, seeing as how there possibly will not be any college basketball this fall, and has decided to go the route of the G League. Do you see this as the last, or do you see this as probably another in the line of individuals that will be making the same decision over the next few weeks? I don't think he'll be the last. I think as more questions begin to arise about college sports and and just even the students going back to campus, I think some other guys will will take the money. I mean, I've expressed it before. I don't really fully understand this whole G League pathway program, especially if they're not going to play in a bunch of competitive games. I'm under the impression, and this is just my opinion, I don't have any intel on it, but it seems like it's designed to gather intel on all the players. So, for example, if I give some 18-year-olds anywhere from three to $500,000 and they live in L.A. and they train, they're going to have a bunch of free time and idle time if I'm an NBA GM, and you know, that's like my dream job. So I always try to think in the mindset of an NBA GM. I think this is like the ultimate test of maturity to see how this person is going to react. Because L.A. is, I mean, it's L.A. And it's a place that if you're young and you're rich, you can get into a lot of trouble. But not necessarily saying these guys are going to get in trouble. It's just a way to see, all right, are they going to come on time? Are they going to work out every day? Are they going to be out every night? And I think that if you have some guys that can't handle the lifestyle at $300,000 or $500,000 at 18, then some teams are going to be less likely to give them a guaranteed three-year contract for, you know, like four or five million. Or I don't even know how much the number one pick gets. I think it's about maybe $9 million a year, something like that now. So I definitely believe that there are some guys who – are going to see their stock drop just because of the intel. Yeah, and that's so. That's just my opinion. No, like, that's, a, that's actually that. very. That's very sound, man, my friend. That's very sound. And the the thing that when it comes to these guys that are going to the G League, I think that's now going to become more interesting to them and appealing because, like you said, we don't know what the status is of college sports going forward this fall. Most likely, a lot of these college basketball teams will not be going and hitting the hard floor this floor this fall because of the coronavirus and all that, which makes my thought process on Cunningham from Oklahoma State that much more curious mm-hmm. on what he's going to do, knowing that, A, he might not even be able to play a game this season until the spring at the earliest, and B, his team is not even eligible for the postseason. So that makes his decision staying at Oklahoma State even more curious. Yeah, and even for the coach, like Coach Mike Boynton, even though he signed on the dotted line, even though I think he's he might be on campus now, you, you still have to recruit him. Like, it's not – he can leave at any moment, I believe, and I don't think there would be any penalty for it. So the recruiting process is still ongoing until until you find out more about the season or whatever. So – yeah, I mean, I think it's something that I don't think that door is completely shut. Um, I think he's, you know, I respect and honor. I respect the fact that he honored his commitment and he's been loyal to Oklahoma State and their coaching staff, uh, especially to turn on that type of money, um, which at, at that age, I don't know if I would have, yeah. I would have done it. But I also feel that even if he doesn't make it to the NCAA tournament, if they have a college season, the basketball and the level of basketball that he'll be playing will be more competitive than the guys that are in this G League Path program. Because right now, I mean, if they're really playing these NBA academies, they're not going to get better in those games. They're just going to get better through workouts. It's almost like they're sitting out a year. And that's why I say, I wonder, is this really more so about intel? as opposed to, I mean, of course, it's developing them is what would be part of the process, but I just wonder, is Intel the main thing? Because the teams 
I mean, they they missed out on RJ and Lamelo. I wonder how many teams got a chance to actually see them live, go to their practices, get a chance to know them, and then. Um, I mean, I don't think they played more than 15 games total. So if you missed it, you had a short window to get out there and watch them play. So now some teams are going to, you know, pay them millions of dollars guaranteed with very little intel. And especially now with this, you know, this pandemic that's going on, you won't even get a chance to bring them in for a workout. You're going to interview them through Zoom. So you're going to have to make a multi-year, multi-million dollar commitment for some players that you really don't know. And that's the question, isn't it? With a lot of these players, especially when mm-hmm. it comes to LaMelo Ball and RJ Hampton, you were, you were, you know, you had to go trek out there. You made the trek over mm-hmm. to Australia and you've already commented on our previous shows and hopefully people get a chance to check out our previous last Lakers fast break issues and Lakers fast break episodes to go ahead and check out what you've, your initial thoughts are when you went over there to Australia to go check them out. But you're right. How many other teams did the same exact thing? Yeah, I, I know the game I went to was the game that they, the first time they played against each other. And I want to say I personally saw like three teams there. And that was one of the the biggest scouting events of, you know, this basketball season two guys that were projected lottery going head to head. There's only three teams there. And I mean, I was in China. And so for me in China, that was like a 19 hour trip. And I'm thinking it's the same side of the world. It's just a straight shot down. I realized how big this world is. When I went. <laughs> <laughs> and the game was actually in New Zealand, but I had to fly through Australia. And uh, yeah, I just, I mean, I'm a big geography guy and, you know, I love traveling, but that experience just to see how far it was. I think it was maybe, I don't know, let's say the game was on a Tuesday night, but I was watching NBA games at like four o'clock PM, but they were NBA games from the pre they were live, but it was like, I don't know, the Tuesday night game was on like Wednesday at like four o'clock. It was just Crazy weird. So anyway, I said I have to say this. I mean, that's that's just not a trip that you can just get on a plane and go to and come back in a couple of days to watch. So you really have to take a quite a few days to go there. So I don't think a lot of teams did it. And I also think that if they didn't have this, if they didn't up the money, more players were going to go to Australia, which means it would have been even harder for teams to continue to go out there multiple times a year to you know, to watch guys practice and get intel. So I think part of the reason is they up the money for the G League is to prevent guys from going to Australia. And now they have all the intel you need on a prospect. Tested your Everything. limits there, didn't it? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But that would have been an interesting ride China, uh, from China to Australia to New Zealand. Oh, uh, I, I, I envious of you now, but if we're doing the trip, Maybe after 19 hours, I would have been like... <laughs> yeah, that was tough. And then the mistake I made was I went there and then I came back. So I want to say the game was on Wednesday. I may have got there Tuesday morning, and then I left like Thursday morning. So it was literally 19 hours there for a day and a half, turned back around, and it was a struggle. You went back to China, is that correct? Yeah, I went back to Beijing. <laughs> and I, I, I mean, I don't know why. I just thought, you know, it's just straight down. You know, <laughs> I thought like I had no idea that because I had to go from Beijing to another city in China to Hong Kong, Hong Kong to Sydney, Sydney to Oakland. So that was quite a trip. But be, it was it was a great experience. I'll be taking a trek in the not too distant future from Albuquerque to Texas. It's just a straight line where I'm going. Ten hours each way. Yes. Uh, and most quite, of them will be in Texas. Yeah. Uh, and not quite exactly what you you went through, but still nonetheless, people think, oh, it's just a straight line on the map. How bad could it be? How bad could it be? I mean, it's just Interstate Ten. <laughs> <laughs> It's scenic. It's scenic. Albuquerque is pretty scenic. But once you get to Texas, it's just flat. Exactly. But watch for the speed traps. I'm 
just going to tell people out there here in Albuquerque. It's another story altogether. I want to go ahead and bef- before we go and touch on the last subject, and that is back to Jonathan Kamingo real quickly. He is considered to be one of the fringe top five prospects right now, from what I'm reading and understanding and seeing the highlights and whatnot. What are your thoughts now? And obviously they're going to change over the course of the next year, one way or the other. Well, for the most, most likely anyways. What are your thoughts on Jonathan Kaminga for next year's draft, the 2021-22 draft that he is considered so high up on? You know, it's tough to talk about a draft that you're ahead just because if I look at the guys who I thought were lottery picks at this time last year, a few of them aren't going to be in the lottery. So just based off of what the projections are from – I don't even know if you can even say they're projections from NBA scouts because NBA scouts really haven't had an opportunity to watch these high school players unless they saw them – you know, in, in the Nike camp or Team USA or whatever. So um, all of these predictions are just kind of based off of high school rankings, which absolutely mean nothing to me. But he is a – I mean, he's a talent. Like, I can I can definitely see why he's um, a highly rated NBA prospect. But as of right now, if he – I mean, if he works out fine and, you know, there's no issues as far as just like maturity going on in L.A., without playing a lot of these games, he's probably going to end up being a top five pick based off of his high school reputation. Not based off of what he did in college or, you know, like if you look at if they would have, like based off of the guys that came into to college last year. So let's say Isaiah Stewart or Jaden McDaniels or Nico Mania. Let's say they skip college and they go into this G League path. They might be lottery picks just yeah. based off of their high school rankings. So going to college actually hurt them in a sense. Pretty much, especially with Nico Mannion, who there's a very real possibility might not make it to the first round. Isaiah Stewart, you, you know, we've seen his fall from grace as being what in the top three now he possibly also could fall out of the first round so it's uh, Jaden mcdaniels yeah same thing it's just it's yeah. going to be interesting to see how far these guys fall in, in the course of and span of the year a little over a year excuse me by the time the draft comes out and the same thing could happen year in year in, and you see it year in year out so it's hard to gauge where jonathan kaminga is at but obviously right now if the fall season for college basketball is nixed right now because of coronavirus, maybe going the G League route wasn't a bad idea for him after all. Yeah, I mean, I think it helps his draft stock. I mean, I, I don't, I think you'd have to really do something really immature, crazy for your draft stock to fall if you do the whole G League path thing. So I think it, as a player, you know, you're getting the money and the chances of your stock falling are slimmer than it would if you go to college. Which is why if I'm in charge, and I guess as a as a fan, I want the guys, all right, if you if you do this G League Path program, then we're gonna throw you out to the wolves. You're gonna play against real G League competition, which if you plan to be an NBA player, you're gonna have to face better players anyway. So I just don't understand why they're not gonna play a big schedule or why they're only going to play against NBA Academy teams or why that the I mean, record yeah. doesn't count. Yeah. So that's why I say it has to be all about Intel as opposed to seeing what they can really do. I mean, you're going to judge guys based off of how they work out and then who wants to work out for, I don't know, from October through April. And that's all you're doing is working out and you're playing a couple games a month against teams that you could be teams that aren't even better than your high school team. So hopefully, I mean, I think the NBA will come out with more details than we have right now, but just based off the information that we have, I'm really not a fan of, of the, the G league path program. 
kind of hard to convince you. I mean, for me, it's a little bit better because I get to see these players a little bit more close up than, like you said, what we could see in, in Australia and if they go abroad. But you're right. If it's not going to be something where they're going to play at a consistently competitive level, they don't have any type of incentive outside of monetary to be there or to really develop their game, then there's going to be questions on whether they should continue it going forward. I think they should just be high school going, you know, if you're, if you're high school, you should be eligible to go into the draft as an 18 year old. And that's to me, I think should be still the case for, for also, I think if you don't get drafted, you should be given the option of being able to go into a college and not have it hurt against you. That's, that's, that's my deal. Yeah, I agree. I just don't think NBA scouts want to go to high school games again. I mean, it's already tough, you know, for them to have to cover the college. I mean, even though it's kind of broken up into regions and then basketball being so global, you know, you have guys all over the world and now you're going into high school gyms and you're watching them play, especially during the season. Like maybe during AAU, they have matchups against you know, some other good teams that you're matching up against some of the best players in another city. But if a guy doesn't attend one of these powerhouse high schools, he just attends a regular high school that plays just a regular schedule. It's hard to see how he would match up against somebody that's his size or just as athletic, because I'm thinking about like Zion is like a good and bad example. I mean, we've all seen the video of, of the kid that's like, Five three, <laughs> he trying to guard him, and uh, I mean it, it didn't have an impact on Zion because they didn't. I mean they started playing in some bigger tournaments like late in his senior year, but it was just tough to see him against guys that he could just totally overpower. But luckily for Zion, he's been motivated. He has a work ethic and he has added to his game. Or there's some guys that are just, I mean we've seen in the past even like back when they were allowing guys to come out of high school. We all know about the Kobe's and the Garnett's and those guys, but there's a bunch of other guys that were drafted because they were just bigger, stronger than everyone else, and they totally dominated high school, and they just could not handle grown man strength, and then they just kind of uh, faded off. So I do like the fact that I do think they should have the option to go, but I also like how college basketball kind of separates some guys that were really highly rated going into their freshman years. Well, let's see if they can work it out. And like you said, we're going to see more information, I think as well, coming from the NBA, as far as how this G league structure for these players that are going to bypass the NCAA and also bypass overseas, how that works together. I think we're going to see a little bit more thought put into it hopefully to get more out of it going forward. I still, again, when there's a collective bargaining agreement done, I'd still like to see high school players become eligible for the draft. I understand it's going to be a lot harder work, but with all the, the social media, with all the video that's out there that can be attained by these GMs, these scouts and whatnot, I think it could be something that I think that they should look into more. I think it gets rid of a lot of this process. But then again, for the NCAA, it's going to hurt. But the NCAA is going to get hurt in regardless of any type of situation or outcome currently that that's being discussed so i think that's going to be you know at some point in time your the nca is just going to have to bite the bullet and say you know what okay go let these high schoolers that want to play yeah i mean i think they originally wanted to they just didn't want them to just be there for a year and then if you think about it i mean was college basketball really hurt in the mid 90s and early 2000s when those guys you know from the like I said, the Garnets, the Kobe's, Amari, even like the Monte Ellis and Lou Williams, when those guys didn't go to college, I don't think the NCAA was was hurting at that point. Yeah. So I just think maybe the games will be, I mean, they won't have as much star power, but you have more continuity. And then I think it just kind of evens the playing field for the mid-majors against the Dukes and the Kentuckys and the Kansases. So. That makes it more interesting for me and for everybody watching college basketball, at least I think so. Mm-hmm. Once again, I'm on Rafael Barlow for the NBA Draft Junkies. You got to check out what he's doing today. As you check out on Facebook Live, his whole video site, NBA Draft Junkies on YouTube. Plus, check out his awesome page, NBA Draft Junkies.com. And of course, his 
excellent podcast, NBA Draft Junkies as well. Kuzi Killick, Joe Gomez, they do a great job working with him on NBA Draft Junkies. I also want to give a big shout-out to Nancy Weems. Hello, Nancy, out there giving us a shout-out. Julie, appreciate you going ahead and watching what we do here. Truly cannot thank you enough for, for doing so. But before we have... Hi, Nancy. Oh, there you go. See, there you go from Raphael right there and also from me. Quick question I want to ask you before we head to what you're doing at NBA Draft Junkies, and that is what are you looking forward to this week as the NBA finally starts some scrimmages this week? I'm just looking forward to NBA basketball being back. That's the main thing. And, of course, seeing who's there, seeing who's playing, seeing, uh, you know, what reasons they come up with for guys that aren't there. Hopefully, you know, like with Zion, hopefully it's nothing major, that it's it's not a, another injury. It's not like a, a major family issue. Um, same with all the other guys that, that aren't in camp right now. So those are the two main things. And then once once the, the scrimmages start, I know we're a day closer. We're getting closer to actual real basketball being back. So I'm looking forward to that. As am I, my friend. As am I. But before we head on out, you got to go ahead and give an update on the 10,000 things you're doing for your experience, as you liked the way I said that. So the experience known as NBA Draft Junkies. I know you got a lot up to, to as far as what you're working on. You're working very hard on it. I got to compliment you again because you're doing some great stuff out there. Got now the future NBA GM outside of yourself because you you and Kuzi Killick, I, I see you guys about 10, 15 years down the line, both like, you know, on the conference call trying to work out a trade and you may be stickling on a second round draft choice, you know, maybe something like that, maybe holding up the deal. But you guys <laughs> go ahead and work so well on your podcast together. And obviously the podcast that you do, on your own, the podcast that you do with Joe, the podcast that you do out there, the videos, the the draft profiles, the breakdowns, the mock drafts you do. Tell us what you got working on right now at NBA Draft Junkies. Well, I have a couple of things. Um, I, I uh, by the time this is released, I should be a podcast I do with my brother, and we did our. Well, it was supposed to be our top power forwards, but my brother he doesn't believe in threes and fours anymore. So he breaks it down from guards, bigs, and and wings. So his list of power forwards is a little bit different. And so that will be up on the YouTube page, and it will be up on the uh, podcast soon. Um, I have a, a couple other interviews set up. I've been able to to have three interviews now with some international prospects. So that's pretty cool. I really enjoyed that aspect of it. The time difference can be pretty tough. Sometimes the, they have to set the the calls for like eight o'clock in the morning. I know this all but too I really, well. Yeah, but I really enjoy getting to to know a few of the international guys that are second round picks, or they're projected second round picks that the American audience may not know too much about, which I think will help me out on my channel because if and when those guys are drafted the first thing the average fan is going to do is go to YouTube and type in the guy's name. And then they'll be able to see that I have videos on some of these prospects and also did a one-on-one -on -one interview. So I'm looking forward to that. I think that will help kind of just boost, um, you know, boost my presence as far as just getting my name out there. And then on the site, I mean, I guess I'll, I'll go ahead and announce. I don't know if I, I should or not, but I will be doing some specific Laker content. Um, and as far as videos and, uh, the, it's interesting. I, I've, <laughs> I grew up a Blazers fan. And so Laker fans have been the, have been like my nemesis for years, you know, whether it's my roommates in college reminding me of the 2000 Western conference finals and just all the times that Kobe just broke our hearts with these tough buzzer beater shots. And so, it's interesting how this podcast is a Lakers podcast and I've been on pretty regularly. And then now, um, since the Laker fans have been not, not my friends, but the fans who don't know me have been so great to me as far as just like tuning in and just the comments, I'm going to start breaking down some videos 
for potential prospects that I think would be good fits for the Lakers. And so I'll be doing that with a Laker website. I don't know if I should mention which site it is, but it's going to come ahead. out. Go ahead. He's Hopefully he's listening to this. Hopefully he, you don't have a heart attack, Tom, when you're out there walking and listening to this. It is going to be on the Lakerholics experience. That's all I'll say is I can't say the, the ending of it, so I'll just say the Lakerholics experience right now for you on that. So just type in Lakerholics and, you, and it'll come right up. Yep. So that's uh, something that we just kind of put together. So I want to thank you for the introduction. So you've kind of, you know, introduced me to this, this Laker fan base here. And uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. It just gives me another opportunity to show what I've, you know, what I've been enjoying doing and stuff that I've been doing for a while to another fan base as far as just video projects and just kind of helping, you know, we're all helping each other. We all, are doing something that we love. We all love basketball and we're all just kind of helping each other build our platforms to be the best. So I'm just thankful for this opportunity, like I said, to create content and to, you know, hop on a podcast twice a week to talk basketball. So all is well in the world with me right now. Well, you're coming on later this week. Uh, We're going to get together and we're going to talk about your first thoughts and perspectives on the scrimmages and I know there's a lot of stuff that you're you're going to have coming up, uh, but podcasting. I'm sorry I got the podcasting bug on you. I'm sorry I, I infected you with that bug with the podcasting deal because uh, I just created a lot more work on your hands. Well, you've made it worse now in the last <laughs> week because first it was the podcast. You got me started. I enjoy it so much. Then every time I'm on Facebook, I just see – Lakers fast break is live and I, and I see the work that you've put in. And so me being the competitive person that I am and I'm, I'm competitive in a way of like, I can't let Gerald outwork me. I can't let him outwork me. And you're definitely outworking me right now. So hopefully soon I'll be able to get on a podcast and say, so how many have you done this month? Oh, okay. Only 36. Well, I'm at 42. Oh my God. And I think it's, I, I don't think it's a long shot. I think that, you know, just in a passion that you have and how much you love what you're doing and, and you're always working. I definitely think that there's big things that are going to come out of this. And so for me, it's like, I'm using you as like the motivation, you know, if you're like the Michael Jordan, I, I guess I'm Kobe and I'm just trying to. <laughs> okay. Trying to... My eyes are rolling now. <laughs> Okay. Well, I'm, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to copy and 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 you know, you set the table as far as work ethic. So I got to come up behind and and just keep working. I would say ah shucks, but that's a little bit too corny. Um, <laughs> I, I cannot thank you enough for the kind words. Uh, I truly appreciate it. And you know, people think that you're not doing anything behind the scenes. You again. There's a reason why there's so many videos up on the screen is because each and every time out, you're putting up a tremendous amount of work yourself on your NBADraftJunkies.com website, your NBA Draft Junkies YouTube page, and of course, all the stuff you're doing on the podcast realm. So if I provide any inspiration to you at all in that, uh, it's because you provide me a lot of inspiration as far as the work you do and the time you put in as far as is concerned. And all the travels that you talked about and all the work that you put in around the world. And it's funny because I wanted to go ahead and end on your brother because you mentioned what you and your brother did. <laughs> it started out, we, I wanted to do it one way, and then your brother had another idea. Uh, that's why I always love your conversations with your brother, to be quite honest with you, because you think it's going to start out one way and it goes off into a completely different direction or tangent. But he has a different approach and the way he looks at these draft prospects. So if anybody gets a chance to check that out, I highly recommend it because it's allowed me to look at different prospects in a in a new light, so to speak. Like Kira Lewis Jr., he was the one that really got me more invested into looking at seeing what he has to offer. And I really like him now going forward as a player who can make a contribution in the league. So... I I compliment your brother on that, but it always seems to me when you two are together having a conversation, it never seems to go, I think, directly 100% the way you want it to. 
Yeah, because we we did the podcast Friday. It's Monday afternoon now, and I haven't put it up yet because it's going to be a lot of editing. Just because we just started, <laughs> we 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 couldn't stay on track. We went to you know basketball, then we not arguing, but you know just brothers, and when we're talking, then sometimes. Um, he has a tendency to talk like it's just me and him. I'm like, well, no, I don't think I can put that on the podcast because I might want to interview this player one day or I might, I don't want the agent calling me. And I mean, he's not talking like bad about the way, but he's just giving his honest opinion and feedback on this player's strengths or his weaknesses and areas that he needs to improve on. And so he just kind of has his own way of, of, um, elaborating you know, on it. How, yeah. How he sees things. And so, I think that the hard part about podcasting is, and I think just in TV general, like you still want to give your honest opinion and your honest feedback, but at the same time, you don't want to be too critical. Yeah. Or you don't want to be too positive on the other way where, I mean, I don't, I don't want to be like <laughs> Shannon Sharp in a sense where you're just like, it doesn't seem realistic. Like there's no way he can be that big of a LeBron fan. Is this like strategic where, so, um, but yeah, I, I'll probably have to edit it just to kind of make sure that our conversation still stays on, on topic as far as just, you know, what we set out for it to be, because we can go from starting to talk about the top power forwards to arguing over who's the best point guard and, and high school basketball history from a particular state. So just making sure that I uh, make sure we stay on course. Very soon. Please check that out at NBA Draft Junkies for that always interesting conversation between you and your brother and all the great stuff you're doing at NBADraftJunkies.com. But yeah, I know what you mean, my friend, because even your and my conversation where we're just reporting the news on a certain mm-hmm. three-letter word at ESPN, W-O-J, I got a backstorm of comments all over the place. And I was just like, there were people just were negative, 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 negative. And I'm just like, I, I was just saying what was going on. Sometimes you can't even do that. Yep. Well, all right, my friend. I'll tell you what, it's been a great episode. I appreciate you taking the time to speak to me. Again, I'm going to have you on later this week to go ahead and get your thoughts on the scrimmages how they turned out and what we're looking forward to because right around the corner my friend the nba Basketball. season yep 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 the nba season will begin and we're looking forward to it right here at the lakers fast break podcast 